being here this morning and thank you for the light. Appreciate that. Want to invite your attention to the book of Romans, chapter 1. Glad to see Darren home. Sorry it's under the circumstances, but we're glad to see you, uh, Darren. Glad Brother Bill's able to make it uh, also this morning. And uh, Good to see each one of you here uh, this morning. We need to remember one another in our uh, prayers. And uh, I had the privilege of having my, uh, our granddaughter spend the night with us Friday night. And the first thing she did, she pulled out the checkerboard wants to play checkered. Now, when we play, I tend to tell her, say, now, Haley, do you really want to make that move? And then sometimes I make a bad move. But I really feel sorry. I got to thinking, my wife's told her, she said, you know that everyone won't do you like your grandpa does you. And when she said that, I got to thinking about poor Anna and what she's going to have to deal with in her life. She don't have grandparents and great-grandparents that would do that for her. (laughs) But anyhow, that's the way life goes. But the book of Romans, it has converted not a few. And most of you, if when you were saved, someone shared with you something from the book of of Romans to cause you to recognize your lost and undone condition. It is a very important book. And John Wesley was at a conference one time, and he said he sat in bed in the motel room, and he was thinking, do I really know Christ? Do I really know him as my Savior? Do I really have A home in heaven. Can I be guaranteed that? And he looked in the book of Romans. And if you look in verse 17 of Romans chapter 1, that verse of scripture got a hold of him because it says that just shall live by faith. Listen, folks, the book of Romans. Is a tremendous book. And somewhere in this chapter, these, this book, you can take different scriptures and lead a soul to Christ with not turning to any other book except the book of Romans. It is a tremendous book. And we have these words. And I want you to think about this this morning, about getting excited. Have you ever got excited about something? I think that times that I probably got more excited is with my grandkids. And my children wonder, well, what about us? Well, I don't know what about us. But but there are a lot of things, and I'm sure Errol Lynn has not made a difference in anybody's life. And and I'm sure she'll not be spoiled at all. And, uh, And along with Joe's great, Grandchild Brandon, is that right? Brandon, Bradley, Bradley, Brian. Brian, Brian. Okay, I'm sorry, but I'm sure you're not doing anything to spoil him, are you, Brother Joe? And, uh, 
But it's, it's an exciting thing. We do a lot of things that brings excitement to our, uh, our lives. I remember when I was first saved by God's grace. I, I, when I got home, I couldn't help but call people and let them know that, that Christ has saved me. Christ has made a difference in uh, my life. Now, it was a little bit different. When I surrendered to the ministry, I kind of it was at the tabernacle at Pine Springs when I surrendered to the ministry, and and I went out, and I was really crying. I mean, I, I just really broke down. I didn't know what all this meant to me at the uh, at at the time, and uh, a couple of preachers followed right behind me and trying to console me and and everything. But it it was an exciting thing, but I didn't really know what it meant at that particular time, to surrender my life to Christ in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ because I knew that also that it would affect my wife, it would affect my children, it would make a difference in, uh, in their life for the rest of their, uh, uh, rest of their lives. But I was excited about that. And there's a lot of things that I've been excited about. But the book of Romans and, and this particular uh, scripture that I want to read to you to, uh, this morning in Romans chapter 14, verse uh, down through the verse, verse 17. It says here in the very first, verse 14, it says, I am debtor. And I want you to notice who Apostle Paul is debtor to. Not just a single group of people, but to all people. Listen to what he said. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. Now I think of myself as being a barbarian. Both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready. To preach the gospel to you, though thou art Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this another occasion that we have to approach your throne of grace. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for caring about us. We thank you, Father, for just being there in all situations, in all circumstances, when we need you. You're an all-present, an all-wise God. And we thank you for your presence, not only in our lives individually. I thank you, Father, for your presence in our service today. And I ask, Father, that you might have free course. Those that are in attendance today might allow you to do a work in their life that you've never done before, that they might give you the freedom to direct their thoughts, their actions, and their decisions in everything that, we, that is done here. We want you to be in control, complete control of every decision made. Father, help us and help this church to understand that it's not about them, it's not about me, it's about you. And the decisions that we make 
We want you to be in control of every decision made. Father, it's not about exalting one another, but it's about exalting you. So we pray that you might be exalted in our service today. Even this morning that souls might be saved and that thy people might be strengthened and encouraged in the Lord. All these things we ask in the precious and holy name of your Son, Jesus Christ. In the book of Hebrews, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We see the writer of the book of Romans is Apostle Paul. Probably the greatest missionary aside of the Lord Jesus Christ there has ever been or ever will be. He was a great servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we look in verse 1, he was very careful in most of the books that he has written to make sure people understand that he was a servant of Jesus Christ. Not a servant of man, but a servant of Jesus Christ. And folks, that's something we need never, ever forget, that when we're saved and washed in the blood of Jesus, we are a servant, we are a slave, we are to be a bond slave to the Lord Jesus Christ. He set us free from the bondage and captivity of sin. He guaranteed us a home in heaven when we trust him as Savior of our soul. And that's why Apostle Paul emphasizes the fact, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. This is not a calling that he made on himself. Many people say that they, they call themselves and they just decided they wanted to be a preacher or they just decided this. Well, if the Lord is not in it, then folks, it's not a best choice to make. It's what the Lord wants us to do. And that's what Apostle Paul was emphasizing here. A servant of Jesus Christ called by the power of God's Holy Spirit and by the Lord himself called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Now, when, he, when we look at this in, in verse 2, he said, which he has promised before by his prophets in the Holy Scripture. Listen, folks, I thank my God, and that's what Apostle Paul said in verse 8, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. And he wanted the church at Rome to understand how much he loved them, how much he cared for them, how much he prayed for them, how he was excited about coming to be with them in one of their church services. He had, so many times he had lifted up lost souls to Christ, and so many times people that had left Rome was come in contact with Apostle Paul, got saved, and many of them went back to Rome to tell them about the unsearchable truths of God's Word. And that's how the church in Rome came into existence because of the witness and testimony of other men that Apostle Paul had come in contact with as well as those that had left Rome and then come back to to Rome with the unsearchable truths of God's holy writ. There's a lot of things, folks, but listen to what he said. I want you to see this. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarian, both to the wise and to the unwise. I'm excited about the person of the gospel. Now, why would I be excited about the person of the gospel? First of all, it's speaking about me. Am I really that important? No, I'm not really important at all. But the gospel speaks about 
me when you look in, in uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm not really important at all, folks, but the gospel speaks about me. That the whosoever, and it speaks about you also. So the gospel, I'm excited about the gospel of Christ, the person of the gospel, because that includes me. When I trusted Jesus Christ and called on him, and folks, the whosoever is so important. People won't say, oh, well, that can't include that individual. He's just a sorry individual. No, the whosoever includes everyone. But preacher, you don't know me. You don't know what I'm all about. I don't have to know. I don't care because God knows he's the only one that matters. And so it's important, folks, that we understand. That means the gospel is about me. It tells me that I was lost. It tells me that I needed a Savior. And I realize, and the Scripture tells us, that only Jesus can save your soul. Only Jesus can set you free from the bondage and captivity. And only Jesus can give you a home in heaven. Only Jesus can make you the servant that you desire to be and he desires for you to be. Only Jesus can do that. He says in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Folks, it's not by you, but it's by the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And listen, folks, it tells me I was lost, that Jesus died for my sins, and that he paid my sin debt. Apostle Paul said in Romans 1 and 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, and to the Jew first, and also to the Greeks. Listen, folks, that is an all-inclusive thing. Do you know what? Folks, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are, what you are, where you come from, what color you are. It makes no difference. The gospel is for everyone. And I am so excited about And another person other than me that the gospel is about, it's about Jesus Christ. It's about his virgin birth. Folks, do you understand the importance of that doctrine? Do you understand that without it, we have no God? Without it? We have no Savior without it. This whole book, the Bible, 66 books, has no meaning, no relevance whatsoever. There is no such thing as Christianity without the virgin birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 5, it emphasizes the fact that, that, and it points to the fact that Jesus Christ would be born of a virgin. When you look in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, and I want to read that scripture because it's so very important, folks. Because when you look in, in, uh, uh, in Matthew chapter 2, that's what he's talking about. The prophecy of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. The, I'm, yes, I'm excited that me, not that I'm that important, but more important, I'm excited about a very important person, and his name is Jesus, and he was born of a virgin. Listen to what he said. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, 
and shall call his name Emmanuel. Listen, folks, we live in a society that rejects Jesus. We live in a society that rejects God. We live in a society in a world that rejects the Bible and wants nothing to do with it. And they want to, we live in a religious society that would tell you that the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ is not important. But I want you to know, I want you to understand that without it, you have nothing. We might as well close this door, go home, shut her up forever because Christianity means nothing without the virgin birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When you look in Matthew chapter 2, I want to read these scriptures to you. If I can get there. Matthew chapter 1. Listen to this. In verse 18. I want to read a few verses of scripture to you. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. Before. You see that? Before they came together. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet of the Lord, by, spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Look back to Isaiah chapter seven, verse fourteen. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, took unto him his wife. And knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Listen, folks, the virgin birth is so very important. And yes, I get excited about the virgin birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But not only do I get excited about his birth, but I also get excited about his life. I think Brother Don asked, well, why did he come? He come because of you. You needed him. We needed him. We needed a Savior because without him, we would have all died and not just go to the grave. We would have all died and split hell wide open, folks. But we needed him. And I'm thankful that he did come and uh, was submissive to his heavenly father all the years of his life. Remember he said, and uh, Jesus, God said about his son Jesus at the, his baptism, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. Again he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen folks, Jesus was a, a son that pleased his Father and was obedient to him in all things. Listen, folks, when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he knew his 
his uh, disciples uh, on, and for the most part had, had left him. Some of them were talking about going, going fishing at the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. The other ones had, had run away at the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why was he there? He was there because of us. Now listen, folks, we need to understand. He said, no man taketh my life, but I lay it down. Why did he do that? Why would he do that for people such as me, such as you? Why would he do that for people that has rebelled against him, for people that has rejected him, for people that has said no to him, for people that has said, no, you can't come into my home. No, you can't come into our schools. No, you can't come into our country. We want nothing to do with you. Why would he come and die on the cross at Calvary and give his life as a sacrifice for sins for all mankind? Why would he do that because he loved us and he was willing to submit to his father in heaven what made a difference in these apostles what made a difference in the disciples of the lord jesus christ remember at one point he come to at the uh, uh burial of uh lazarus martha and mary was so upset remember jesus said to them do you not know Do you not know that Lazarus will be resurrected? He said, I am the resurrection of life. I am the resurrection of life. So, yes, I'm excited about the uh, gospel. Yes, I'm excited about his life because it was a life that was lived for me. It was a life that was lived in complete obedience to his father. It was a sacrificial life that he lived for each and every one of us. But also I get excited about his death because it was a death that he willingly died on the cross at Calvary. Do you know the crucifixion was a Horrible, horrible way to die. But then when, when we uh, uh, look at the, even Roman citizens, they wouldn't crucify a Roman citizens because it was such a cruel way to die. But Jesus submitted to this, folks. He said, no man taketh my life, but I lay it down. No power on earth could have taken his life. He was God in the flesh. And I know that's something that's rejected, but it doesn't change the fact that it's true that Jesus was not only the Son of the living God, the Savior of the world, but he was also in his God from the beginning. Folks, I'm thankful for his life, but I'm thankful for his death because without his death, without his life, and without his virgin birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there could be no resurrection. So yes, I get excited about a lot of things. I get excited about his life, his death, but I get more excited about the fact that he was raised from the dead. He's no longer dead. He's alive. And he's coming again. And when he comes, folks, he's going to come in all of his glory. There won't be no more sacrifice. There will not be no more beatings. There will be no more nailing someone to the cross at Calvary. But he will come in all of his glory, and he's going to bust that eastern sky wide open. And when he busts that eastern sky wide open, those that are dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be called up to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. Yes, I get excited about his life. Yes, I'm excited about his death. I'm excited also about his burial and his resurrection because, folks, that is about me and it's about you. There's a lot of things I get excited about. But I also get excited 
about the promises of the gospel. The promise of salvation. You know what's so exciting about that? It's not restricted, folks. Sometimes there's places that we can't go. And there's a lot of places I don't want to go. But there's one thing that we know. And the scripture is very emphatic about this. That salvation is free. And I'm very excited about the promise of salvation. Remember what he said in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever. I love that word. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, did he say temporary life? Or did he say, well, if you trust Jesus as Savior and so you repent of, of your sins with godly sorrow before a righteous and holy God, you might have eternal life. No, it does not say that. That it says whosoever shall have eternal life. That's what he said in John 5 and 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on them that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not Come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Oh, there's so many scriptures. The whole book of Romans, the whole chapter of John, chapter 10. That's what it's about, folks. That's what it's about. Salvation and the security of our soul. Most of the things that we have now, they're going, they're going to dry up and, and die and, and rust or whatever. And this old body, it's dying every day. It's hurting more every day. Sister Karen, see, you're getting older. (laughs) That's what happens to our body. But folks, what I have in Jesus, what I have in Jesus will never change. I'll never lose it. It'll never rust. It'll never grow old. It's just get better with time. When you look in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Where is it at, folks? Where is eternal life at? It's in Jesus. No other. Folks, any other religion, any other religion, you look at it, folks, other than Christianity, their Savior is still dead. Their Savior is still in the grave. He's still there. You can find the bones where he was buried. He's not moved. But folks, all, you've, all they found in the grave of Jesus was his grave clothes and nothing else. He was gone. And the Bible says he's not here. I'm thankful for the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It says in John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. It said in Acts chapter 1, verse 11, the angel of the Lord said to the apostles, said, why are you looking up? This same Jesus that's going away is coming back 
again for us. Go home. Get busy. Go to work for the Lord Jesus Christ. Begin to witness to a lost and dying world and let them know that God will save them. God will set them free. God will give them a home in heaven. No charge. Heaven, folks. I love talking about heaven. You know why? That's going to be my home one of these days. I'm so very thankful that we finally got our home in order, our house. And some of you in the same way. After Mr. Harvey visited with us. But you know what? When we're in heaven, we're not going to have to worry about all that. We're going to have a body likened unto the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know what that's going to be like. My Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. God, it's a whole lot better than what I've got here. Because this old body, sometimes it hurts. That's why we have Advil and leave, a leaf. <laughs> Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, talks about all the great things that we have in heaven, have to look forward to. And, folks, it is something to look forward to. Death is not the end. Death is just the beginning. But there's something else that I'm not too excited about. That's hell. I'm excited about the fact that I'm not going to be there. I don't have to worry about it because I've trusted Jesus as Savior of my soul. And I have a home in heaven, but hell is just as real as heaven. And there's more written in the scripture about hell than there is about heaven. So don't tell me that hell does not exist, that hell is just a grave. Hell is a reality, and it's hot, and it's forever. And those that will do have not trusted Jesus Christ as Savior of their soul, those that have not repented with godly sorrow before a righteous and holy God and invited Jesus into your heart, bless your heart, you're going to bless hell wide open. And that's not something I want you to do. It's not something that Jesus wants you to do because if he had wanted people to go to hell, then he would have never gave his life on the cross at Calvary. He would have never suffered. He would have just said, let him go. Hell is real, but I'm thankful that heaven is real also, and you can have it. No charge. We ought to pray for one another. We ought to pray for our families. We ought to pray for our friends. We ought to pray for our neighbors that they might know Jesus as Savior of their soul because that is the only thing, that is the only thing that will deliver them from the pits of hell. You want to go to heaven? Then trust Jesus. Don't say it doesn't matter. Because one of these days you'll come to the realization that it will matter. And death is something none of us knows when it's going to come. How many funerals have I preached that for the people that died had no expectations of death? They died then and there. A good friend of mine, a good church member, woke up one morning, was drinking his coffee, and he fell down, and within minutes, he was dead. Saw him that Sunday, talked with him. He aggravated my daughter, as he always did. The next day, 
his daughter called me, said he's dead. Death is like a vapor. It appeareth for a little time and then vanishes away. That's why it's important. And I encourage you, I exhort you, with all that I've got, if you've never trusted Jesus as Savior of your soul, then why not today? Why not right now? But if you have, if you have, then why not honor God with your life and make a commitment to him that you're going to do all that you can to build up the cause of Christ and to build up this church and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's always about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need never forget that, folks. It's about Jesus Christ. What are we singing, brother?